We are back at it. Welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, we are back at it, and college football is almost here, man. I'm fired up. How about you? I'm fired up, too. I saw you on uh, Sunday, and um, it, was it Sunday? Yeah, saw you on Sunday in Edmond, and you were you were chomping at the bit, and it got me excited. I was I was already pretty excited and, and uh, got back in the car to, to drive back to Dallas uh, with, with the fam, and I told my wife, man, I'm I'm pumped. Carson's pumped. I'm pumped. Let's do this. This is awesome. Was I, was I just beaming with with pride and football readiness? Yeah, you, you had that. Uh, you had that uh, mid-August glow about you with, uh, with well with football cut, season just around the corner. Come November, I'll have the uh, thousand-yard stare of just being immersed in travel and all that stuff. But it'll be fun. But well, you and I saw each other uh, end of July. We got to play together at the Karsten Creek. Uh, golf club for Mike Gundy's media day deal. And, uh, back then I wasn't nearly as excited about football as I am now, but we had a, we had a great time and we had great weather. It was raining, cloudy, wasn't a hundred degrees. And, uh, that was awesome. It was good to finally get to play with you up there. Yeah, it was super fun. Um, yeah, just the, I, I, I played as badly as I've played all year. I think if we would have been playing one-on-one, you would have roasted me. Um, yeah, I was, I was Patrick Reed, Ryder cup. You were, not Rory Ryder Cup. You were, uh, <laughs> you were. Who's a bad European Ryder Cup player? You would know the analogy better than me. Uh, probably Rafael Cabrera. No, Cabrera Bayo was pretty good. Maybe maybe a Lee Westwood last year was not very good. Yeah, I was. I was kind of Westwoody, but yeah, we had a great time uh, with Jason Elmquist from Stillwater News Press, uh, Kyle Boone. <laughs> who I forgot to add to our group, which was embarrassing, but he got to play with us. And, and then all of us got to play with uh, graduate assistant Remington Rebstock, who was just, I thought he was fantastic. Had some great uh, Bill Snyder stories from his days at Kansas State. And, you know, was just talking about Gundy and the program and uh, just, just all around a really good time. And uh, you almost had a true eagle on 18 all by yourself. Mm, yes. You uh, you had a monster drive. You finally figured out where your driver was going. That took a while. <laughs> and then uh, you hit it on the green from a long ways out. And then you lipped out a putt for eagle. And you, I kind of put my putter cover down to mark where we all should putt from. You took off like Tiger, trampled all over it, was ready to fist pump, and it lipped out. I was I was disappointed. Well, and, and I had not been – I had been out to Carson Creek, but I had not been on the course, and I didn't realize that the final – basically the final three holes, 16, 17, and 18, are all situated around water, and you kind of make this uh, – you kind of make the, the circle around the water. They, they kind of all, like, go around it. Well, as soon as I hit that putt on 18, it was probably, what, 40 feet, 35 feet, something like that? Yeah, 35 probably. I went running for the water. I don't know if I was going to jump in. I don't know. I don't know what I was. <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to do. But uh, I was. Yeah, I was going to give it a, a huge fist pump. Hits the back of the hole, pops out, uh, and then incredibly, you did the exact same thing. We're playing in a scramble, and I hit the exact same putt. It, it was unbelievable, and it also hit the back of the cup and popped out. So we missed uh, two. And really- I took I took off the other way. I went to the trees, <laughs> and I about baseball bat swung my putter at a tree fortunately i didn't do that but i was upset that didn't go in because that would have been uh, we're all you know when you play a course like that you're just looking for like one story you know kyle kyle boone got his he almost had a hole in one uh that that would have been our that would have been our story so yeah it, it would have it was um it was crazy that it happened uh, twice in a row. You did almost Jordan Spieth your your putter though, like when he threw his wedge out of the bunker at the Travelers Championship at his caddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad nobody was in your way. But <laughs> no, we had a great time. And what, what did we finish? Sixth, fifth, something like that. Yeah, right in the middle. Yeah, and then, respectable. And then uh, Glenn Spencer tried to hire Kyle Boone afterwards for to be a graduate assistant, uh, which was hilarious. Um, <laughs> He he didn't actually try to hire him. He he just he, he it, it's funny to get in front of some of these coaches because they know our blog from just being on Twitter and being online or whatever. But we've not really been in front of them to interview them and talk to them. So when 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 Kyle asked uh, Glenn Spencer a question, Spencer interrupted him and said, now, "Who are you? You know?" And he's so he's so intense. Like I I feel like he's yeah. just always like that and. 
Boone was like, oh, I'm, I'm Kyle Boone. And he looked at him and he goes, you, you do a good job. And I, like, and it felt like it was like, you know, the, the high, basically the highest praise anyone can get from somebody like Glenn Spencer. So that was a real moment. Yeah, I was in there for that. That was cool for him. And then uh, Mike Yersich told me that Tyron Johnson could probably get past me in a phone booth, which is more or less true. Um, so, yeah, we had a we had a great time out there. It was a lot of fun. It was fun, and you were also in Stillwater for uh, Media Day too. You're just a you're a beat reporter now for OSU. I know. Uh, what, what was Media Day like? I had to stay back at the, the TV station, but what was what was Media Day like? Well, John Helsley of the Oklahoman came up to me and said, "You did you buy an apartment here? Like you just are you are you living here now?" Um, yeah, so I went to practice on Saturday morning for a little bit, which was cool just to see. I, I had not been in a practice inside the uh, the Sherman Smith Center, which is just, it's gargantuan. It's it's incredible. It's so big. And so it's just such a great, it, it's so perfect for that organization to have that place to practice in and to, and to hold, you know, just everything that they, they, they do right there. They, you know, when you and I were in school, Carson, they used to practice out by the, um, by the Conoco out there, you know, off of uh, what street is that that I'm thinking about? Just just east of, of Gallagher Iba. Duck? Yeah, right off of Duck. And they used to I mean it's the only space that they had and now they've got the inside, the outside, you know, they still have that area. It's just it's it's really cool to see how that's evolved. So I went to practice for a little bit, talked to some people. There were a bunch of um they were having their extreme camp this weekend, which is where people pay to come and basically see what a weekend with the team is like you go out to to Mike Gundy's house on Friday night so talk to a few of those people and then the the fan appreciation is it's I mean it's kind of a circus for lack of a better term people are just all over Gallagher Iba getting autographs talking to players and coaches it's really cool it's, it's fun um for fans I don't know if the players love like the whole the all-day affair but uh, it's great for fans, and I think it really kind of sets the tone for the football season and gets people excited about it. Then, obviously, Mike Gundy presser, and then we talked to uh, to players afterwards. So it was a long day, but it was a lot of fun. And it, it, for me, you know, I told um, somebody this on Monday. It, it was good to get in front of coaches, to ask Mike Gundy questions, to talk to players about why they do certain things, and, and it gives us a better context for what we're writing uh, on the blog and, and just writing about the team throughout the season. Did uh, Mike Gundy tell you that you do a good job? <laughs> no, no. Who, who had the longest, who had the longest line too? Uh, or was it all just one big line? I guess. Well, OSU's smart about this. They put, they put Mason Rudolph at the very end. So to get to Rudolph, you have to, go visit Mike Yersich and Justice Hill and Chris Lacey. So like the it, it's, it's hard to tell who has the longest line, but I, I, I presume it was Rudolph. We, we did go around and ask fans who their favorite player was. And we got about 80% Rudolph. We got a couple of, we got a Trey flowers guy and a Ramon Richards guy, which was great. That's um, fantastic. And there was a couple Dax Hills, but, or uh, excuse me, justice Hills. <laughs> Not You've already moved on to his little brother. Yeah, exactly. Um, but great names, by the way, Justice and oh, Dax. So good, pretty great. Yeah. Are, are you ready for to make Dax great again at OSU? Yeah. After I, Dax Garman, yeah. <laughs> who I actually hung out with this past weekend, which is a long, 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 long story. But uh, I was actually hanging out with Evan Epstein, friend of the pod, who we're going to have on soon, and. Him and Dax are boys, so that was a, a name from the past that had come up recently. Yeah, make make Dax great again. Now, my favorite player to talk to, I was impressed by uh, quite a few of them. Chris Lacey was great. Uh, Jordan Brailford was really good. Uh, Jalen McCleskey was good. But I, 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 we all enjoyed talking to uh, Tyron Johnson. Like, he's just – he's exactly how you would think – uh, super confident, uh, re- just fired up about the season, just like we are. Like he just, he, he sort of reminded me of Dez in that sense of just like he just loves football. Like he just wants to play football all the time, you know. And um, I don't know, man. He's you know he's not standing next to him. He's not that 
big, but I think he's going to be fantastic. Kyle Boone thinks he's like a, like a pro, like a legit pro. And, you know, it remains to be seen, but um, it, it was interesting to hear from a lot of those guys. If I, we asked them, why did you come to OSU? And they said, because of the offense. Even the defensive guys said because of the offense, because it gives the defensive guys an opportunity to, you know, sh- show off because you're playing in a league where guys throw it around all over the yard. So that that was uh, that was cool. That was fun to talk to them about that. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it from a defensive standpoint. Um, I did watch your interview with Tyron, and it, isn't it amazing how different – you can just tell – He's from just a different world and a different type of player that OSU typically recruits. I, f- I feel like most guys, yeah. Gundy recruits, are very, very Justice Hill like, very James Washington like, very straight and narrow. Uh, doesn't doesn't say a word. <laughs> Never heard him speak. Good to his family. Loves football. <laughs> and he just he's very much like. And Des was the same way too. Just very flamboyant, very personable. But as you mentioned, just loves football. But. I'm excited about Tyron Johnson. Mike Gundy was asked about Tyron Johnson when he was at ESPN. They were like, what's one player on your team that we don't, don't know about yet that'll make a lot of plays? He goes, oh, his name's, his name's Tyron Johnson. He's going to make a lot of plays. <laughs> I know exactly who that's going to be. His name's Tyron Johnson. You better, you better learn the name now. So he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Well, and, and he and Tyron said it on, on Saturday, but you know, could be involved in, in punt and kick returns. We, we asked him, and, and he said that he was going to be, you know, I, I don't – who knows how that's going to play out, going to look, you know, whether they're going to put him on both or neither. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how that's going to play out. But I did see one instance on Saturday, and, and, and Mason Rudolph told us this at uh, Big 12 Media Days, but Tyron Johnson can make some people miss. He, he was – he had the ball. I, I don't know what, what drill they were doing, but he had like four guys running at him, and he he eluded all of them. And it was it was incredible. I mean, it, it was uh, it was special. So, who knows? Like, I, I it's practice. It's August seventh. Like, I, you know, I, I don't want to get carried away, but man, I, it could be uh, it could be pretty pretty sweet time in Stillwater this fall. Well, and I have a uh, some I guess somewhere in Stillwater, there's a, a uniform Heisman statue park where Justin Gilbert's <laughs> statue is front and center uh but but tyron like the the statue makers are already creating a mold of of tyron johnson Shouldn't this it? guy is the best uni wearer. i haven't seen him in a game yet i've just seen some you know what he's wearing without the pads on he's going to be up there with justin gilbert in my mind on the uni scale shouldn't shouldn't it be like the uh the Stanley Cup or like the Claret Jug, where you just have your name carved into a uh, <laughs> yes. Into, so like Justin Gilbert has like like his name was carved into it like two or three times, probably three times, like for for the three straight years that he won the Uni Heisman, and the the engraver has already started with the Ty this year. Like the the letters are already being <laughs> being engraved in the trophy. I would completely agree. I mean, he's going to win it every week for us. So we might as well just pick pick second place. Yeah. We, but uh, the blog is jam-packed these days, Kyle. You have like 100 people working for you. You have more people working for you than at ESPN. <laughs> um, what do you want to tackle in the blog today? Well, let's start with this. Uh, Trevor Maddich, I don't, I don't know Trevor Maddich. I've never met him. But he is, a, uh, he is repping Oklahoma State pretty hard. He, he thinks... He's an ESPN analyst. Thought earlier this um, fall that he said that Oklahoma State can make the playoff, and now he's saying that Oklahoma State's got the best offense in the country. Do you think this is, uh, as Mike Gundy would say, accurate, or do you think um, he, he's, you know, th- this is a little bit overhyped? I think it's. I don't think it's crazy. I don't know if it's a one hundred percent certainty either, just based on. Like the other offenses in the in the country, I mean, Ohio State is absolutely loaded. But I mean, on paper, I think people are just thinking mostly of the receivers. And then obviously you have Mason Rudolph and Justice Hill, who are all all the skill positions are great. I do have concerns about the offensive line. Is it good enough to be the absolute best offense in the country? I don't know. We'll we'll see. I think this Cochran guy, the the Mountain, aka from Cal he's is huge. getting he's getting grave reviews. I'm just going to call him the Mountain, which you don't watch Game of Thrones, but our listeners will understand. 
he's getting rave reviews. So, like, the, you, you would think the left tackle spot, which was a huge question coming in the season, probably as big as cornerback, will likely be answered by him. I just – I don't think it's crazy, no. But I, I don't know if I'm willing to say, yes, they're the, they're the best offense in the country. You, you know, Gundy talked about um, – I, and I asked him, I said, well, what do you – what do you base your preseason expectations on for your team? Cause he, he, I mean, I don't think this is a secret. He's very confident about how good Oklahoma state's going to be. And he said, they've been very honest with the team about that. Like, yeah, you guys are good. Like the, you, no kidding. Like you're supposed to be good. And, and he said that he bases his preseason expectations for his own team on uh, experience. So quarterback experience primarily, but then also he talked a lot about offensive line experience and it's an offensive line that they've been around for a long time. Brad Lundblad, um, even, you know, Cochran has, has played in a lot of games for Cal. So it, it's not a young offensive line. Um, and, and I think because of that, the, the expectations from Mike Gundy and, you know, those around the program are, are pretty high going in. Yeah. And I thought Bill Haston wrote a great, uh, column about the offensive line since we're talking about it in 28 starts they've given up 69 sacks to mason rudolph like that is a huge concern now you mentioned it they've played a ton of football maybe they'll be you know and they haven't played a lot together too was a point that bill made in his, his column i think everyone should read it like they haven't played a lot of football together because certain guys have been hurt so maybe this this is the year where they'll gel and all that experience will add up and they'll be you know, they, they had a really good last half of the year last year yep. as far as run blocking and, and protecting Mason. So I don't think it's a huge concern, but I'm not willing to say they're the best yet. But, I mean, you mentioned Chris Lacey earlier. Like, we, we talk about how good the receivers are, but let's go down the list here. Who's wide receiver one? James Washington? Yeah. Tyron? John, are we ready to put Tyron two? No, I think it's got to – well, it, it, it depends. It's well, I guess Tyron will be inside receiver, wouldn't he? Yeah, it's going to be Aitman, I, I think, d- depending on just kind of – I think – I think you, you have to have Aitman on the other side. Yeah, I and, and I think Aitman is, is the guy that, like, if you're, if you're on, like, the 25 and you're down, like, five with 30 seconds left and it's fourth and four – and and Gunny's like, let's throw it. Like I, I think you're going to Aitman, right? Like I, I think that I'm going to Washington. Well, that's fine, but I think Rudolph is going to Aitman. Like I think that's who he trusts the most. And I, I just think that I, I don't know if he's the second wide receiver, but I think that that's I think he's up there, and I think that's who Rudolph trusts the most. Rudolph trusts him more than Washington. In a in a short yardage situation, yeah. I mean, look at. Look I mean, at, Washington run a slant over the middle doesn't do anything for you? No, it does. I mean, it's fine. But, like, I'm just telling you what I think Mason Rudolph this, this is. This is like your prediction that Josh Cooper would have more catches no, than Justin Blackman. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying in a short-yarded situation, <laughs> I think that, I mean, all, almost all of, I, I don't know what percentage it is. It'd be interesting. I should look this up. But I would say 70% of James Washington's yards come on you know 30 plus yard catches like he he's he's absolutely like one of the best home run threats in the country but i'm just saying if you need seven yards like probably going to marcel aitman touchdown catch against texas in the first half slant over the middle that he just took 30 40 yards on the ground i thought wasn't that mccleskey or was that in the second half that was second half first half uh i just showed the video yesterday that's how i remember this but McCluskey and him kind of crossed each other and just a seven yard slant that Washington took it to the house. But anyway, so we got, we got Washington at one side, uh, out wide, Aitman on the other. Then I would think McCluskey and Tyron on the inside for, for four wide sets. Yeah. And then what do you do with, with, uh, Lacey? That, that was the point I was trying to make is Chris Lacey is a pro. He's going to play in the NFL. And he's your fifth receiver. Well, and, so I don't think Trevor Maddich is too far off here at all. <laughs> yeah, and, and we were talking about this. There, there was a, a moment uh, during the media day on Saturday where you had all five of those receivers and Mason Rudolph taking – you, you kind of do this thing where photographers are allowed to come in and take uh, photographs of, of all the players, and like they were kind of hamming it up for the, for the photographers – and Thomas, Flem- I think it was Thomas, either him or Kyle Boone leaned over and said, how many pros do you think are in that picture? <laughs> and it was like, 
I don't know. All who's, of them? I don't know who's not going to be a pro. Maybe not McCleskey. I, I I I don't know. Like I don't know how it'll play out, but. It's just a bunch of pros. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's it's crazy to think how many pros Oklahoma State has on offense right now when you throw in uh, Justice Hill and and uh, maybe even some of the younger guys too. Yeah, it's, it's an embarrassment of, of riches, and that's why they're getting a lot of hype this year. I mean, their offense, that's the thing. You know, we have, obviously we're always going to have questions about the defense, but, man, this is a year that sets up like 2011 where they can just outscore people. As long as the defense gets a few stops – they should have a chance to win every game on their schedule. So it's 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 really exciting. And the more you get closer, the more you kind of break down. That's the thing about receiver. You go man by man, and you know they're good. And but then when you go man by man, like wow, there you have like almost too many. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Who, so who's after Lacey? We got uh, uh, Stoner. Who else am I thinking of? The Stoner, who they were they're high on they're high high enough on to snap the ball with him. The game on the line as a true freshman. Yeah. Um, we're um, forgetting somebody. Wallace. Tillin, Tillin Wallace. Yeah, like a blue chip <laughs> recruit. Uh, L.C. Greenwood is a freshman. The the one that played for the Steelers in the seventies. <laughs> there there is an actual L.C. Greenwood. I don't know if you that's before your time or not, but before my time, we're the sa- uh, we're the same age. Braden Johnson yeah, but... is a freshman. Uh, Terrell Alexander is a guy who got some run last year in terms of uh, he was you know pretty hyped going in didn't really do anything during the season. Um, let's see, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I was thinking, what's his name had a ninth year of eligibility. What was the, Gabe the white, the white, the white guy? Um, he played last year. <laughs> uh, One of Mason's boys. <laughs> I I already forgot his name. Oh, Austin. Uh, Austin, the kid from San Antonio. Yeah, number seventeen. Yeah, what's his name? Nah, I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> Stoner took his number. The Austin Hayes. Austin there we Hayes. go. Yeah. Yes. Go. I think he was ready for his ninth year, but yeah, he's, he's moved on. He was. I think he was. He was seriously on. I think he was on the 2011 team. Maybe no. Not. Maybe no not. way. Maybe maybe 2012. No, but I mentioned how I played with. Uh, uh, Casey Dunn in the in the golf deal. That was back in 2011, and he said, uh, we got this freshman named Austin Hayes, man. He's going to be really good. He kept telling me about Austin Hayes. That that feels like it was 10 years ago. Yeah. That was back in 2011. <laughs> or no, it was 2012, my bad. 2012. Yeah, there you go. Com- coming off the uh, Fiesta Bowl. Um, so, hey, so, you want to do a toast? Yeah, we do need to do a toast. Do you have one? I do. Okay, let me let me, let me me uh hit up coop real quick it's time for the coop aleworks toast of the week coop aleworks brewing great tasting craft beer in oklahoma city try the flagship f5 ipa the bowl dnr belgian strong ale or the refreshing horny toad blonde for your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends enjoy a cold coop aleworks and please remember to drink responsibly okay carson give me give me your toast of the week let's go back to oh what year was i was in college i was studying in the library and, you know, back then I used to follow recruiting a lot closer than I do now, <laughs> amazingly. Uh, and I got this alert or I, I saw this news story that this, this recruit who was committed to Texas uh, or to TCU had switched to OSU real late. Three-star kid, you know, not that big a deal. I was like, oh, that's, that's nice. They got a late, late recruit, three-star, big deal. That player turned out to be Kendall Hunter. And he ended up being one of the best running backs in school history. He ran for 1,500 yards twice his fourth all-time in, in rushing and he recently he retired in june he was trying to give it one last go up in the canadian football league and, and decided to retire at the age of 28 which just tells you how hard it is to play running back and he had some major injuries in his career but man kendall hunter was so good at osu he didn't get to play hardly his junior year because he was hurt that, that was the year kyle in 2009 when they lost des imagine if kendall hunter had played that year and they had des how good that team was going to out a way to win nine games that year with Zach playing with one shoulder. That was one of Mike Gundy's best coaching jobs. But I want to toast a horny toad blonde to Kendall Hunter because he, he spurned the horny toads of TCU <laughs> and became an OSU legend. So I want to I want to cheers to him for a great career and, and a happy retirement. I like it. That's good. He was uh, he was a great player. I, I think I think even now like he's a little bit underrated. Don't you, don't you feel like in Oklahoma State history? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he was, he was awesome. Uh, I'm going to go more, more current. 
I'm going to toast a briefcase brown uh, to the oil baron. Taylor. Ta- oh. <laughs> I can't even say his name. I should just call him the oil baron. But Taylor. Taylor Cornelius. Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> Just call him. Just call him Oil Baron. The cornball. The cornball. I watched the quarterbacks for a while on Saturday, and he can throw it, dude. He can I mean, spin it. He can spin it. He can spin it. He's he's not like. I mean, whatever. Like we saw him in the in the first game last year, and he did some stuff. You know, what? The Oklahoma State was up by forty, but I I just I don't know. Like he looks good, and he looks big, and. You know, it, I was talking to a, to a uh, staffer for Oklahoma State, and and they were they joke that until uh, Trayson Wallace came, which is Tillon's brother, that uh, the average height of Oklahoma State quarterbacks was like six six. I mean, Mason's like brings the average down because Jelani's like six nine, and uh, and the Oil Baron's like six six, or what? You know, he's these guys are big and. Um, I don't know. Like, hopefully, we don't see the oil baron on the field this year. But I, I just feel like he has developed into a. And somebody mentioned this the other day. They said, you know, they could foresee a situation next year in which Oklahoma State tries to play Wood T, tries to play Jelani, but it's like a Clint Shelf situation in which you should actually just play the guy that used to be the walk on because he's, <laughs> he's the best one, you know, and I could see that happening as well. I'm, I'm in on the oil baron. I'm, I'm wow. Yeah. You didn't like what you saw out of wood tea or is just more of uh, the oil baron was more impressive. She was just flinging it around the yard. I mean, it was great. Yeah. I think that's, I think obviously, I think that he's the safe play, right, for I mean, for backup he, quarterback. It, it, if anything would happen to Mason, wouldn't you be a little nervous if Wood T ran out there as opposed to Cornelius? I, yeah, I think so. And and look, I, I think that, I mean, Gundy keeps saying we don't know who the backup is. We don't know who, the backup's Cornelius. Like it's not, it's not, okay. gonna, it's not going to be Wood T. It's not going to be Jelani or you know. Oh, I love me some Jelani. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> that's that's sort of why I I'm re- I'm ready for the Jelani era. I really am. <laughs> Dude, after that, this year, obviously, he is so big. He makes Rudolph look tiny. It's it's unbelievable. Like I mean, if he can throw the ball at all, like you start, he's just a freak. He yeah. looks like Cam Newton back there. <laughs> like like it's Mike Gundy's dream is to run the quarterback. You know he he's kind of given up on it lately with Mason, but I think that's what he wants to do. It's kind of players he's recruited. So yeah, so, it's going to be fun to watch those guys battle once Mason moves on. Yeah. I'm going to toast a briefcase Brown to somebody who's got to, got to bring his briefcase every day in case QB one goes down <laughs> and uh, the oil, the oil briefcase. Yeah. That's the oil baron. It's, it's an old briefcase. It looks like it's from the 1800s. So <laughs> with like the belt buckle on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. One, one last note on Kendall Hunter real quick. He has the eighth and ninth best single season rushing in school history with two 1,500-yard seasons. Here's how good Barry Sanders was, uh, Kyle. Terry Miller second with 1,800 yards in 1976. Barry Sanders ran for 1,000 more yards. He ran for 2,800 <laughs> in one single season. 2,800. Like, it's not a debate who the best college football player of all time was for me. Well, do you have in front of you, you probably don't, but their average uh, yards per carry? I don't. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, let me look that up real quick because I think didn't didn't Hunter I guess my point is didn't Hunter split time with like was were him and Tostin did they overlap at all? He overlapped his freshman year with Dantrell Savage and like remember that game up in Nebraska like Savage would come out and this kid named Hunter would come in and rush for like eleven yards a carry yeah. and everyone was like who is that? Well. His freshman year, Hunter averaged 6.5 a carry. Sophomore year, 6.5 a carry on 241 carries. Wow. Uh, junior year, 4.3. He was hurt. And then senior year, 5.7. So he went down uh, in 2010, his senior year. But those are, I mean, those are some pretty pretty impressive numbers. Very average 7.5. <laughs> it's, it's a joke. But, but to, to that point, like, Hunter was only a yard behind that his freshman and sophomore years. Like Kendall Hunter was really, really good. And yeah, it's unfortunate that he got a little bit derailed. Remember when, uh, it, it was, I guess it was his junior year when Gundy kept like every week he would say like, Oh, Kendall will be back next week. 
And yeah. Then, and then he like didn't return for like eleven weeks. You're like, where's, he ended where's, up not playing like the whole year. Where's Kendall Hunter? <laughs> yeah, no, I I do remember that, and that's why I've never really believed Mike when it comes to injuries because I'm I'm still the scar is still there from Kendall. Him saying he was playing every single week. <laughs> Uh, Keith, Keith Tostin, by the way, averaged 5.8 a carry for his career. Wow. He, he shared time with Hunter. That's who we we're trying to think of, I think. Yeah. pretty. He was an underrated player as well. Pretty solid. Um, okay, what else do we have that we need to talk about? Okay, I want to talk about this with you because Hayden Barber wrote about this on uh, on the blog yesterday. But there's I think there's a little anxiety, maybe not from Mike Gundy, but just in Stillwater about – who who's going to be the kicker because they haven't named a starter. You've got uh, Matt Amendola who's Philly as he's more affectionately known, hit the 53 yarder uh, last year against was that, who was that against TCU or Pitt? I'm not sure. Uh, it was early on. Um, and then you've got, you've got the, uh, the freshman Chris McCune, I think is his name. Uh, I presume is the Gundy didn't say which two guys were battling for the kicker spot. I, I think those were the two guys, but they haven't named a starter yet. And I'm curious if you think we, we talked a couple weeks ago about how Gundy and Oklahoma state, they don't go for it on fourth down a lot. Do you think not having a kicker that they necessarily trust right now means that they're going to start going for it more on fourth down? What did you say the other kicker's name was? I think it's Chris Chris McCune. <laughs> How about Jake McClure? Is that who you're thinking of? Uh, yeah, I think Chris McCune is a uh, is a uh, fresh... hockey player. No, he's a uh, he's a freshman uh, like safety or something. Yeah, Chris McCune okay. is a freshman safety. So I apologize, Jake McClure. From I apologize freshman from Chattanooga. I apologize to both Chris McCune and Jake McClure for getting them mixed up. I can't talk. What what has happened? You got Rory on your brain. You're just you're swooning too hard over him. Uh, I think that's a huge concern. I, I like Amendola. Are we just are we just assuming he can't kick, or is there a report so he can't make the close ones? Because I, I, at times, I, I kind of wanted to see him in there more than uh, the all-time leading scorer in school history, Ben Grogan. Well, you, you know how you know how Gundy is with his trust issues. Like he his whole deal with running backs. Can I you know can I trust you? You gonna fumble it? You know, yeah, you put it that's on his ground. number one concern. He doesn't care if you're Barry, if you fumble. Yeah, and so it's. I think it goes the same way with kickers. I, I think he felt like he could trust Grogan, and I just think that, like, to, to me, Amendola is more like, uh, you know, he, he's kind of like a home run hitter. Like, it's either a 55-yarder or he misses from, like, 28, you know? And I think Grogan was sort of underrated by the end of his career. He had that bad sophomore year, but he, he played really well over the last two years. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I, Grogan's problem was he was great, or he was good. I'll, I'll never say he's great. He was good from short range. He just, once you got to, like, 40 yards, it was crapshoot. Yeah. That was his problem. But uh, I do I do agree with you, though, in that Amendola seems like a home run hitter. I, I and you, and you, The point you were trying to make was, you know, OSU was, like, dead last and going for on fourth down because probably Gundy trusted Grogan, as you mentioned. I'm With this offense... The only time I'm kicking is if it's fourth and long. Like I'm going for it. Yeah. Like I, they need they need to be like Dana Holgerson on like a pack of Red Bulls aggressive <laughs> with this offense. They don't need to be settling for field goals with with the talent that they have. They should outman every defense they play. So I'm going for it. Mike Gundy was drinking a Red Bull that on is, Saturday, is, by the way. I saw that. <laughs> that is a concern, though. Obviously, that's a huge concern. Yeah, uh, Gundy did say that he was <clears throat> he felt good about the uh, the young corners that they have, the AJ Greens and Rodarius Williamses. Um, but he didn't, you know. He he said he felt good about them. I, I think he said he felt pretty good about the running backs too, like the backups. But they haven't named a second string guy. I kind of think it's going to be JD King, the freshman. Can you imagine? Me too. Me true, too. true sophomore, true freshman at mm. running back. Whoo! I, I like that. That's great. I mean, J.D. King is impressive. Yeah. Now, I've watched him power clean, and I know he's from Georgia, so that's, that's like, <laughs> the extent of my knowledge. But he just seems like he's a tough SEC-style running back that will fit in tremendously as a compliment to, uh, to Justice Hill. And, and as far as the corners, like, that's obviously concern number one on the entire team. But I, and I do think that's a massive concern, and it's a reason that I have 
you know, doubts if, if they can win the Big 12. But I do think, Kyle, we, we tend to downplay what we haven't seen. Like, we don't have any idea how good A.J. Green is. We don't have any idea yeah. how good Rodarius is. So while they're unknowns, I don't think they were recruited to OSU for no reason, you know. So we'll have to see how good they are. There's, you know, young players can step up all the time. So while I do think that's an obvious number one concern on the entire team, I'm not ready to just write it off either because I haven't watched any of these guys play. So it's going to come down to, you know, the first few weeks of the season and see how they do. You know who I think sort of the X factor on defense is? Let me guess X factor. So not Trey Flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Walter Scheid. No, that's a good guess, though. Who? Ramon. Yeah. Uh, it, he 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 feels like the um, I I don't know like he's he's so versatile and he can do so many different things both good and bad, and it just feels like he could be like he could have a crazy good year because of the position that they're putting him in and if and if the corners are good enough that he doesn't have to kind of switch back there which Spencer mentioned it at media day he said you know we, we always have the the option of moving Ramon back to corner like we can do that. You know, and he could be one of one of the guys. But if the corners are good enough that they don't have to, I think he's going to thrive in that in that sort of um, deep, you know, safety type uh, position. Like I just not safety type, the the just the safety, the center field type position. Like I, I just think he's going to, I think he's going to be great back there. And uh, you know, Rudolph mentioned him at Big Twelve Media Days. Just he gives him fits on defense. Like he never knows what he's doing. Um, I don't know if Ramon knows what he's doing, but Rudolph never knows what he's doing either. And and he said he's just he's really tough to play against. He just has that knack, Kyle. I mean, how many times did he just pop up with a huge play last year in, in tight games? And I feel like it fits his well, it takes away a vast amount of experience from the corner spot. He just has that knack, and I think it'll it'll suit him at safety. I think Gundy knows what he's doing. He wouldn't be moving his most experienced corner to safety if there wasn't a very good reason. And obviously it's working because, as you said, Mason says he's, he's giving him issues. So I think it'll help him gamble. Like That's basically what safeties do, right? They read a play, and they, they trust their instincts. While I do think he's a little undersized for safety, I think it's going to be fun to watch him roaming around back there. And plus, him and like as much as we bag on the secondary, like him and Trey Flowers, like that's a pretty good combo back there. So it'll be yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited about that. I love Trey Flowers. Um, okay, I, I think I think Adam Lunt ordered his Trey Flowers jersey for this season. I think he's ready. <laughs> he's got his 31 ready. Uh, we need to talk unis, Carson. Let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Um, I've got a – so I've got two uniform notes from having been at Media Days on Saturday. The first, which is sort of unimportant, even though some people would say everything we say about uniforms is unimportant, but a certain uh, – uh, person covering the team was wearing a pair of um oklahoma state shorts with the uh, old black shorts with orange stripes with the old osu logo like the 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 throwback logo that they wore for the homecoming game last year and i was uh i was coveting them they were uh, they were incredible, and I wanted. Oh, uh, I can probably guess who that is. But, yeah, th- uh, I think everybody can. But it, it, it was uh, I. Had, I had never seen them before. I've never seen a player wear them. I didn't know they existed, uh, and now it's all I can think about is wanting a pair of those shorts. The old brand makes the heart a flutter, doesn't it? Yeah, they they should probably utilize that a little more. I, I loved obviously the helmet was awesome in homecoming. But uh, yeah, when you see the old brand, it it sends the heart to flutter. Even if but, you uh, even if you just threw them on, like you know how they have the uh, like the the brand or the badge on the pants, like kind of up by the by the uh, waist mm-hmm. in the front. They could even throw it on there, and it, it, it'd be subtle, but it'd be it'd be really cool. Well, is it a yeah? Is it an official logo? I don't know if there's stipulations on that. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, my other uniform note is. 
And it's not really anything specific, but just seeing the uniforms up close, like the, the, cause, cause everybody, when we were interviewing them in the practice gym is, is wearing their uniform. They don't have pads on. That'd be, that would be weird and crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> they're wearing the, the Jersey. And I got to say, Carson, it, it's better up close and in person than it is on TV. And I like it on TV. I think it's solid, but it, it and it's hard to explain. It's just very, it's a very intricate uh, uni, it really is, and just the way Nike has designed it, and and it, it works really well, and and I really enjoyed seeing it up close, even even more so than on TV. Yeah, the Nike does an amazing like that's what stood out to me when they very first switched them back in 2011 at Media Day. Like there were so many things that you couldn't see when they unveiled them that you could see in person. Um, so yeah, it's. I don't want to switch to Under Armour. We we got to meet, uh, or I got to talk to Chad Weiberg at the golf deal, and he was super nice. And we just talked briefly for about five minutes. And I almost at the very end when we shook hands said, just pulled him in close and whispered in his ear, "Don't you dare go to Under Armour. Don't you dare do it." <laughs> Give him a firm handshake. Said, don't you dare go to Under Armour, because I'm 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 in love with the swoosh. So. Hey Carson, uh, Mrs. Pistols just walked in. Do you have any? Do you have any questions for her about the season? Yeah, how's she feeling? Like, what's? Uh, Hold on, her... I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give her the headphones. You can ask her a couple questions. Okay. Hey Carson. Hey Mrs. Pistols, how how we doing? Oh, pretty good. Is this a real podcast? This is the real podcast. Are the, are the kids asleep right now? How are you in the shed right now? Uh, they're watching a show. They're safe. Okay, good deal. I want to know real quick on the Dreamboat quarterback scale. How does Mason compare to Zach? Oh gosh. Um. Hmm. Okay, if Zach's a ten. Oh. Whoa. I mean, is he? <laughs> where are we putting Zach on the scale? Uh, Zach's. I mean, you tell me. I mean, I trust your opinion better than mine on on ranking a uh, Dreamboat scale. Okay, I'll put I'll put Zach at a ten, and I'll put Mason at a seven and a half. Okay. I mean, Which Zach is, is high praise. I mean, that's that's very high praise, because Zach was also kind of in in the wheelhouse when you were in college too. So that that it's hard to dethrone Zach on that. I mean, do people in college know who Zach is? Am I? That I don't old? think. I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think so. I think we're that old. But um, yeah. So are you fired up for Kyle to um, be in the shed for football season? Too much? Uh, yeah. I'm just expecting to not see him very often. <laughs> I might throw a football from the kitchen to his window just to make sure he's still out here. Well, I love I love your observations that he shares on, on the blog. Um, can you just give me kind of your take on, on this season and, and OSU football going forward? Um, sure. Uh, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about it? I feel that I know two things, that Mike Gundy's the coach and, <laughs> and Mason's the quarterback, and that's probably it. Um, I feel good about the season, about the same as I do every year. <laughs> okay, tell me, you tell me, how are how are other people feeling? Do people feel as fired up this year as they always do that OSU is maybe going to play in the national championship? And because there actually a is a national year. championship game, right? These there days. is a national championship game this year. There is, and this year for OSU, the expectations are higher than probably they've ever been. It's basically win the Big Twelve or bust. Which, when you and I were in college, they were just kind of hoping, hope, hoping to go to a bowl and, and do well. Now they're completely in championship mode. So kind of like the blog, you know, Kyle's blog's in championship mode this year. So <laughs> they're kind of on the same level. That's awesome. But That's uh, awesome. It, was good, it was good to see you, Kyle. I, I love your kids. They're awesome. Um, I'll let you get back to them, though. But I appreciate your, uh, your time on the podcast. Good Thanks, to have you back. Person. Feel free to edit this out. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Okay, I'm back. She ranked uh, Mason a seven and a half to, to Zach's ten on the Dreamboat quarterback scale. <laughs> I'd give Mason about eight and a half, maybe I w- nine. I wonder where. Uh, I wonder where we need to have OKC Dave, Dave make a, a Mrs. Pistols only survey. Yeah, that's like instead of ranking the quarterbacks in in history for their talents, their just their looks. To where the, dream, can, the dreamboat scale, yeah, yeah. The, the, the dreamboat scale. Um, yeah, I have no idea what she said. I just, I just heard, or I have no idea what you asked her. I just heard her end, which was pretty humorous to me. 
Yeah, she's. I love her observations. She kind of keeps us grounded in this silly world of, of college football. Yes, absolutely. But uh, you, you did have one last uniform note. You did have some guys ranking the uniforms. I, I'm having trouble finding those posts on the blog because you have so many posts. But uh, <laughs> what you what do you think of the uh, ranking of the uniforms? Um, somebody had. Where is that? Hold on, let me find. You, you're you're gonna have to like get a shovel and dig that out. There's so many posts. <laughs> Crap, I can't find it either. Uh, somebody had one. Okay, I got Kyle Cox's here. He has the he has homecoming like number one without debate, which I've come around. It's it's gotta be up there one or two, I would think. The uh, old old brand black helmet, orange and white with the old school socks. Yeah, that that was not we, we were basically ranking the top five from last year and mm-hmm. I think that's probably. I'm gonna do it later in in the fall. I think that was probably it for me. Um, Hayden Barber did his. He had the. He actually had the Pittsburgh game, the white, orange, white as number one, which was the uh, the badge, not the brand. Yeah. And then he had the white, orange, white with the brand number two. I thought the white, orange, white with the brand was was top three probably i don't know where it'll land for me but yeah i'm looking at it right now and it's it's basically the old school traditional osu uniform just in 2016 they updated the helmet finally i remember when you and i were in college if we would have got a a a white helmet with a black stripe black face mask and a metallic brand you and i would have been like passed out in the stand mrs pistols would have had a fan just fanning you (laughs) trying to get you to come back to life you and I would just be doubled over in the stands. And now we're like, ah, I guess that's top five. <laughs> but he had the Bedlam number three, which I disagree with. I didn't I didn't love Bedlam. Um, nah, nah. Texas. You know, what's, you, know what, you know what's underrated for me big time is the Central Michigan game. I know no one wants to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, if, it didn't, if it had like a brand or a badge instead of the Pete, it would be number one. Like black, black, gray. It looks so awesome. With the, with the chrome face mask and the gray pants and the gray socks. It was awesome. Yeah. So we, we might have to uh, bring you out of writing retirement to give to give your top five. Oh, um, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit, man. Just uh, Hey, submit it. Let's do it. We're, put me in, coach. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, okay, we're going to come back and wrap up, but let's hear real quickly one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, um, what do we miss? What else do we need to get to real quick? Um, PGA Championship. You're heading to PGA? I'm going to Charlotte. I'm rolling in on Thursday morning, uh, or Thursday afternoon, after, after the festivities get going. Um, what time does what time do uh, Ricky and and Rory tee off? I think they are late on Thursday, early on Friday. So I should get to see their. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna parachute into the ninth hole, the turn for Rory's round, aren't you? Like I'm, you're just gonna parachute out to to make it. I'm not even gonna stop at the media center. Like I'll just have my <laughs> my bags from the airport. I'll, you're gonna be strutting. You're gonna be strutting with your two suitcases <laughs> along the gallery. <laughs> I'll have inside my, the ropes, my clubs with me inside the ropes. <laughs> uh, I have some stats for you. Are you ready? <laughs> you brought golf stats. I brought golf stats. So if anyone cares about our Rory feud, they can they can turn away now. Okay, let's. let's, uh, let's I know you're feeling great. He's obviously the number one pick because he's he's done really well at Quail Hollow. I'll admit that he's played well lately. I'll admit that too. Uh, is this concerning for you? Last week, he was 76th out of 76 in irons from 150. He was not dialed in. In this season, he's 203rd in 125 to 150 yards. And at Quail, though, he's top five in greens and regulation in four of the seven times he's played there. So maybe it's a Quail thing, and he can write that wrong. But does that concern you at all, his iron play? Oh, absolutely. I talked about that. I've got another podcast. I don't know if you know this, but a golf podcast. First, the first cut. I'm a subscriber. The first cut pod. Um, 
And we talked about that. Like he putted well enough to win Bridgestone last week, which for him is like just average, average putting. Like thirty fifth in the field, fortieth in the field. If he's thirty fifth in the field, he he like normally or can win the golf tournament. Like he's usually top five or ten in the tournament, which he was last week. But he didn't hit his irons well, and that's been a concern all year. His his and, and it's it's confusing because his. He hits it, you know, he averaged 328 off the tee, which was 10 yards farther than anybody else in the field. And then you're like, just, just hit a, just hit a wedge to like 15 feet and you're going to just accidentally make five of them, you know? And (laughs) he just is not, I I don't know what it is. Like he, his wedges just are not locked in and, and really haven't been, uh, throughout the course of the year. Now, having said that he still, uh, I believe would rank, number one or excuse me number three on the pga tour and strokes gained overall uh behind dj and ricky if he had enough rounds to qualify so even despite the fact that his wedge game has not been great of late and his putting's been kind of shaky all year like he's still in the top five in overall strokes gained for the season and here is the stat that sums up my entire viewpoint of this entire discussion of Rory and you picking him every tournament. I, I have not picked him. I know, I know. That that was unfair. For you being higher on him than what he, his status currently is, here's the stat. This is the only thing I've ever tried to say. Uh, this past weekend, he shot four consecutive rounds in the 60s for the first time since winning the 2014 PGA. That's the only point I've ever tried to make is the guy just hadn't had it for three years now. I just, I don't, I don't think like, he's obviously one of the best players in the world, obviously has the most majors of a lot of the guys playing. He just hadn't had it enough to get the respect that he's this favorite every time he tees it up. For me, he's just, a, he's a great golfer who has a chance to win like a lot of, like a lot of guys. Okay. So first time he shot four straight 60 since in 2014, that's a lifetime ago. So what do you do with the fact that he has won uh, seven times since 2014? Has so, he won seven times? So more than so more than Ricky's <laughs> entire career, he's he's won <laughs> since 2014. What do what do you what do you do with that stat? Well, I mean, it's easy to win when it's not a major, you oh know. My gosh. <laughs> no, that's that's an impressive stat, and it's a great counter. And look, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous this week. <laughs> uh, the fact that it's at Quail Hollow, but I do. I will say this for everyone just leaning on this Quail Hollow thing. They've redone the course. It's not the same course, which I'm not, I'm not even sure if that matters. But what did we all say the year that we just we were we were trying to will Tiger back? We were like, oh man, St Andrews. It, that's his course, man. He's done, and it, it didn't matter. So, like, I don't know. I'm not saying he's on the downside of his career like Tiger. I'm just saying sometimes we lean a little too hard on which course it's being played at, not at, not at form. But his form right now is pretty good. So well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie here and say that I'm just unequivocally saying he's not going to win. But and here's the thing, like you, you, and this is what this is the mistake that a lot of people make with golf, and this is a st- mistake that a lot of people have made with with Fowler is like you have to take the long view the 10 year the 15 year the 20 year view of these things because of course like anybody's going to go through six months 18 months stretches of not winning tournaments or majors or whatever um but over the course of 10 years or 15 years or 20 years like what is your like what how is it going to like equal out you know like look at fowler in 2014 he's top five in all four majors and he's playing great, and everybody's like, oh, Fowler can't get it done. Well, like, if he keeps playing like that, like, he's going to win a lot of golf tournaments. Like, it's just going to even out over time. Because anything, I mean, the, the variance in one week of golf can be just extravagant. Like, it can be just crazy. And so you see Fowler continue to play at that level, and now he's got six wins worldwide. And so um, I think that's a little bit of what's going on with Rory right now is he's just – He's still playing really well. He's just, you know, you make three more putts in a week or five more putts in a week or whatever, and and you win instead of finishing fifth. So I I just – I think taking the long view in golf is super important when you're looking at at the entirety of people's careers. 
Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Roy doesn't putt well enough to win for me. But uh, here's a stat on here's a stat on Ricky. Uh, five top tens in his last seven starts worldwide. He's he's in great form, and I think he's got a chance to win this yeah. weekend. Yeah. So if you look at uh, career scoring average at Quail Hollow, I think it goes. Rory's one. Uh, I think Phil's two, and Ricky's three. Wow. So it might be a, a, a 2014 PGA remix. Just run it back. From, Man, from, I'm I'm from I'm ready. Did you, speaking of uni review, did you see Ricky go full traffic cone? Just horrendous. Just I got like I got a lot of grief from OSU fans for calling it a traffic cone. That's that's what he looked like, folks. He was all orange. It's a tr- <laughs> it's an atrocity. It really is. Like. <laughs> He had done so well lately, too. I know. And I heard the, the no laying up guys talking about this. Like, I thought we were past this. I thought we were, <laughs> I, thought, I thought we had graduated to a different level. And, like, as, as good as his, like, Sunday, uh, like, black shirt and orange pants or orange shirt and black pants looks, that's how bad the all orange looks. Like yeah. I could not be more in on the former and more out on the latter. Like it's just it's so bad. I'm ready for him to play the Volvic orange ball just to top it <laughs> off the cherry on top. I want to see. So Sergio wore all yellow uh, in 2006 at the Open when Tiger just just bludgeoned him, and there was a rumor <laughs> that Tiger said he killed Tweety Bird. Like after oh after the. Uh, after the the after the tournament was over, so I'm ready for oh, a, a Sergio in all yellow and Ricky in all orange paired together in the final round of a major. I don't know if my eyes are ready for that. <laughs> hey, one, one last. By the way, sorry, speaking of, of unis, Rory's going uh, all collars this week. He's not he's not going collarless. He's not doing the blade collar. No, well, that that'll that'll improve his chances. Your your boy say. Kepka is going uh, full blade all four days. Ugh. And, what about and, day? And he, all all four days full blade. Ugh. I saw Day switched his putter. He's not using the red one anymore. He's using the old, the white spider putter. Yeah, but, you're, uh, you're deep in the equipment game. Oh, I'm I'm way way deep. <laughs> I'm in the deep end of the pool, just treading water. Uh, before we go, real quick, uh, you helped me out big time in my British Open pool. I was able to take down a lot of pride in that one. So who who do you like this week? Oh boy. Um, I mean, do you want do you want sleepers? Do you you just want what what? How does it go again? I mean, I mean, you can pick any five. So I always pick the big dogs on a team, which I don't need help with that. I'm going to take you know Hideki, obviously coming off the 61, Spieth. Uh, I might throw Rory in there just for grins. Ricky Fowler, Kepka, DJ. That that's the kind of the list for the the big dogs. I'm talking. The, the teams that usually win this are people that aren't don't have high ownership. So not necessarily dark horses, but not the favorites. You know yeah. what I mean? So I would go uh, Tony Finau. I'd throw him on there. I've seen a lot of buzz about him because he hits it a mile. Hits it a mile. Uh, his scoring average at Quail Hollow is in the top uh, 15-ish over the last five years. Um, I'm, writing that, I'm writing that down now. He finished T10 at the 2015 PGA, so he's played well at this tournament in the past. I, I just – Play collar? Uh, I don't think he's a blade collar guy. He's a Nike guy, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, so I like him. I like um, Daniel Berger. I've heard some buzz about him too. Yeah, I like that. He's a Florida State Seminole. Yeah, him and him and Kepka. Yeah. Um, I like JT. That's probably a more obvious one. I, I don't like JT. He's, I should like JT, but I don't like JT. He's, missed, he's too volatile. Yeah, he's missed a cut in three of his last four. So I don't. I don't know if I. Would, yeah, but know. he might. But he—he's the type of guy that can win you a round. Like they—you get paid if you win the round, and yeah. he could shoot. He could shoot sixty. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, and then if you want to go a little deeper, I like Kevin Streelman a lot. Hmm. That's super deep. Yeah. I think I could pick him out of a lineup. Yeah. Well, I, probably most people couldn't. Also, JB Holmes. JB Holmes might be an interesting one to throw in there. He's played really well in the majors of late. Uh, he won here back in two thousand. 14 i think um that's a good he, one he's a bit he's a big bomber so i, I he, he's he's certainly an interesting one for me i will have a soft spot in my heart forever for mark leishman he helped me <laughs> he helped me lift the trophy how do you like him this week i might just put him on every team moving forward uh yeah i mean he's he's a big game hunter he shows up at the at the majors he's he's like uh on hell cabrera um Pretty pretty long off the tee. Uh, I, I'm not like, I don't know. I'm not in love with him. Not in this love. Week, what about what about Charlie Hoffman? He's been on fire. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, top 10 in five of his last – or four of his last six events. Uh, he's missed the cut at three straight PGAs, though. So do with that what you will. Um, this this year feels a little different, though. It does. He's been playing great. Uh, and he's another guy that can win you around. If you had him at the Masters or at the Open Championship, uh, you probably would have won both of the round ones. Uh, yeah. Because he I was, might, I might he fade him. Out. I might fade him because he's going to be on like every team probably with the way he's played. So. Yeah. Well, have fun, man. When do you take off? Uh, I'm not going. Yeah, Thursday because I'm going to parachute Thursday? in back nine. Rory and oh, Ricky. Yeah. You're going uh, <laughs> to be like the dude who parachuted into that boxing match and just like interrupt Rory as he's driving. <laughs> and then I'll be back on Monday morning. So quick trip for me, but uh, back at it next week with a whole ton of Oklahoma State stuff. Football's getting close, man. Can't wait. Okay. Have a good time. Talk to you then.